Hi, welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. Thank you for joining us. If you would like to know more about us, feel free to visit us online at lighthousevineyard.church. Enjoy the message. Had a failure? Maybe not that bad, but you've had a, maybe a failure in your life? Yeah, I've had one. I don't know if I've had one that bad, like in the warehouse, and I can imagine how long it took them to clean that up. Okay, but yeah, I've had, I've had failures. And I, and I heard some people say, yeah. I would argue that we've all probably had failures in our lives, right? Would, we, would, would you agree with that, that we've all had a failure in our life? The Bible talks about failure, and they use a special word for it. It's called sin. Sin is, is the biblical way, the Bible's way of saying that we fail, Okay, so now has anybody had sin in their life? Yeah, I've had sin in my life. And I think that's why uh, Pastor Clint wanted me to preach this message because I'm, I'm a professional when it comes to sinning. And, and we joke about that, but we're all, we all have sin in our life. We all have sin in our life. Uh, I, I was looking and there's an estimated um, 100 billion people have walked the earth as close as they can get a, uh, an estimate of how many people have, have been born on earth. Obviously, some of us are still here. Some of us have perished. But 100 billion. And out of that 100 billion people, there's only been one, Jesus, that didn't sin. And so, so we know that we're all sinners. Romans 3.23 says it this way. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And so when I was thinking about this, we think, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna do a message on sin and, and talk about that. I thought, well, let's define it. So let's define sin. So we're gonna start there. We'll look to see how the Bible defines it. How does the Bible define sin? In the Greek, okay, it's this word, um, hamartia, I guess is how you would say it. Uh, but it's basically sin. It's failure or missing the mark. So something that we failed. And when it says missing that mark, the mark is perfection. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. So when we say we've sinned, we're missing the mark. We're not quite getting up there to, to Jesus level. Again, none of us in the room are at the Jesus level. There's only one Jesus out of 100 billion. So we all miss the mark. We fall short of the glory of God. And so that's kind of the, the Greek for sin, but I started looking and saying, okay, well, well, what are maybe some examples the Bible gives of sin? Um, naturally, I went to the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments is when I, when, if you said define sin through the Bible, I would say the Ten Commandments. Like that's where my mind goes. And those are, right, um, have no other gods, don't have idols, Lord's name in vain, don't use, don't use the Lord's name in vain, not use the Lord's name in vain. Um, <laughs> You must have a Sabbath, honor your father and mother. And then here's really where my, where my mind goes. Don't murder, don't steal, don't lie, don't be jealous. That's where my mind goes. And I think, okay, so those are the sins. So if I don't lie, I'm okay. If I don't commit adultery, I'm okay. Because that's how the Old Testament, and there's more than just these 10. I just, this is just an example. There's a few more than just 10, but... Let me broaden that. When, when that's from the Old Testament and then the New Testament when Jesus is doing his ministry, Jesus broadens that definition of what sin is a little bit. Um, 
So for example, if we look at the Ten Commandments, um, I don't have the scripture, I should have put them up here, but in Matthew, there's this Sermon on the Mount. It's Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, and Jesus is teaching to a large crowd, and, and he kind of talks about these. So um, one of the things he said is, surely, um, or not surely, it's surely been, it's, you've been told, or surely you've heard that you're not to, to murder somebody. He's referring back to Exodus when in the Ten Commandments. So he's saying, you've heard, don't murder. But then he says, very truly, I tell you, you shouldn't also be angry at your neighbor, which is people. Don't be angry at people. So he took this, and so he's equating that. He's saying, so if you do that, well, if you murder, right, you're committing sin, but he makes, he broadens it a little bit and says, even if you're angry at somebody, that is like murder in your heart. And so that is sin. Another example, it's in the same um, Sermon on the Mount, um, he talks about uh, adultery. And the reason I bring this one up, this is one that, that I refer to a lot to help me. Um, but he basically says the same thing. You have heard it said that you are not to commit adultery. But then he says, very truly I tell you, anyone that has looked lustfully at another woman has committed adultery in their heart. So he took this, right? And, and, and the reason it hits for me is because I've never committed physical adultery but there's times where I've lusted and, he, and Jesus broadens that. So it's, he's broadening that definition of sin. It's not just these 10 commandments. It's, it's broader than that. And then the Bible broadens it even more. And this is one of my favorite verses of the Bible because it's, it's, it convicts me and helps keep me when, I, when I'm getting off path. I go to this verse and look at it. Um, it's James 4.17. It says, if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, that is sin for them. And so we take these 10 commandments and Jesus broadened it and then it even broadens even more. The good that we ought to do and we don't do it, that is sin for them. So, so it doesn't, it's not limited to these 10 commandments. For me, food is probably in that category something that is sinful to me. Now, in the Ten Commandments, it says, it doesn't say anything about food. But for me, I look at that food as an idol. And so it broadens. So that is sin to me. When I overeat, that is sin for me. Or language. It says, don't use the Lord's name in vain. But maybe if you use the S word or the, right, or the big one is the, the F word. Like, if you use the, you think, oh, those aren't sins. But for me, they are. Because I know in my heart for, for, for my kids and for I'm a teacher and my, the students, like I can't use those words. So for me to use those words, that is sin for me. So basically what, what, what the Bible does is it broadens sin. That, that sin is a very, you can do a lot of things that are sinful. And so then I, I started thinking, so that, that's kind of how the Bible kind of defines sin, right? It's pretty broad. Nope. So, what is, so what does sin do? And so I started looking through the Bible. But what, what does sin do? And I, and I started and ended basically with when sin entered the world. How does the Bible, what does the Bible tell us about what sin does? And it, and it prevents us from being deeper with God or prevents us from, from seeking God on a deeper level. Here's, here's how the Bible describes it. So I'm going to start with, with Adam and Eve. I think we're all pretty familiar with the story of Adam and Eve, but um, 
you know, God created Adam, then he created Eve, and they're in the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden is very significant because that's where they met God. That's where they met God. In Genesis 3, 8, it says, the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. So he's in there. So they hear this sound. It's God. That's where they go and they meet God in the garden. So right now, there's no sin in the world. Nothing has happened. God has created them. And there's no sin. So they're, they're encountering God and they're, they're right, where, right there with him. Well, then I think if you're familiar with Adam and Eve, you know what happens, right? They ate the fruit. And Eve was the first one to eat the fruit. Adam, if it wasn't Eve, Adam would have ate it a few moments later. And so sin entered the world. And what happened when sin came in is that they felt shame. They immediately felt shame. They knew because God said, you can eat from anywhere except don't eat from this one tree. They're tempted to eat from the tree. They do. Sin enters the world and they feel guilt. They feel shame. Uh, we know this because in the second part of Genesis 3, 8, so God was in the, and he's walking in the garden and it says that they hid from the Lord God among the trees in the garden. So sin enters this world and they hid. They're like, oh no, I did wrong. They feel this guilt. So ultimately, they feel this guilt. Ultimately, Adam and Eve then are kicked out of the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden. So what does that do? Remember, Garden of Eden is where they encounter God. That's where they meet God. So when they're kicked out of the Garden of Eden, that ultimately draws a separation between them and God. God is saying, no, you cannot live here. You're out. There's a separation there between them and God. So that's what sin does in our lives, is it, is it separates us from God. Now, I want to clarify that this is not salvation. Salvation is when you accept Jesus into your heart, he is still there. Okay, but this is more about getting deeper. There's a separation so I can't get deeper, which you'll see later when we talk about it. But it is not necessarily salvation. So we get, we, that's what we do when we sin is that there's a separation from God. There's good news in this, right? You're like, oh man, I'm a sinner. Everybody's a sinner. Anyway, how are you saying I'm separated from God? There is good news in this. And that good news is Jesus. God put Jesus on there so we don't have to have separation from him. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So there's hope. So today we're going to talk about the importance of, of well, why we're sinners, but then what do I have to do because I'm a sinner? And we're going to talk about the, the confession of those sins, right? Confession of those sins to, to God and to others. Because in John, right, first it says, if we confess our sins, God is just and right. And, and we'll, so we're going to talk about that. What's the value? What's the power of confessing our sins, not only to God, but to others in here? And so we are in this series right now that's called Witness. It's seeking connection with our heavenly father. And this series is all about going deeper with God. 
going deeper. I think in a few weeks we're going to talk, maybe next week we're going to talk about prayer, but these things that will get us deeper in our deeper relationship with God. And that's what we're going to, like I said, that's what we're going to talk about today of, of how when we confess our sins, we can have a deeper relationship with God. And so the title of today's message is Sin and Confession, The Power of Getting It Out. The Power of Getting It Out. I'm going to be reading, um, there's all kinds of scriptures about sin, but I'll be in Psalm 32 in your Bible. Um, if you want to turn there, Psalm 32. If you don't have a Bible, it will come up um, on the screen. But I'm just going to take a quick sip and then we'll read. All right, so Psalm 32, we're going to start in verse 1. It said, Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. So transgressions are sins, so whose sins are forgiven and whose sins are um, covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and in whose spirit is no deceit. So I'm going to pause there. Because so far we've talked about sin and we're all sinning. That's, that's good news. We'll talk more about good news later, but that's good news, right? We're blessed when our sins are forgiven. Verse three, it says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through, the groaning, or through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Jumping down to verse 11. It says, rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. And so today, I'm going to give you two points that talk about the power of getting it out. What will happen? How does God respond when we get our sins out there. But first, let me pray. So God, we just pause and we just pray that you speak to us this morning. I'm going to pray again just for the Holy Spirit to come in and to be, be present here in this room today. Be present in this church. Again, God, you know what's coming with this message and and we ask that you, you come and you be with us. You whisper into our ears. Not even, sometimes, God, we just, I want you to shout into our ears this morning. Just get me out of the way, God, and let me use your words. I just pray for your Holy Spirit, that presence to be here. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so point one is by confessing our sins, we relieve some stress. We relieve some stress. This comes if we look at verses three and four. Okay, it will say, when I kept silent. So these are all things that, that when we don't get it out, this is the opposite. When we keep silent, when we keep our sins and our transgressions, when we keep them in, this is what happens. It says, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. 
For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. And so all those, those words, right? My bones waste away or I'm groaning or heavy, sapped as in the heat of summer. Those are all, to me, very stressful. There's a burden on you. And, and so that's when, when, we, when we confess our sins, all of that stuff is gone. It relieves it. It's all gone. That's the importance of getting our sins out there. When we, when we confess our sins, that will go away. It made me think of this story. This happened um, a few weeks ago, maybe a week and a half ago. I'm a school teacher. I teach sixth grade. And so um, I'm in class and, and I'm, I'm, I'm teaching. Well, then the assistant principal, he walks in. He sits down at the back and he has his laptop with him and he opens up the laptop. That means I'm being evaluated. Some evaluations I get to pick like, hey, come into the, during this class and, and they'll evaluate me, but some of them I don't. And so he walks in and so I get a little bit nervous in class. That happens. I mean, like, okay, be your best now. Be your best, do your best because I'm getting evaluated. And so where we're going, and I'm teaching on coordinate planes, I think reflections, and I'm going away. Well, then I hear a little bit of commotion going on, and it wasn't like big, but, but one of the things I looked for, like that's one of the things they like, are your students engaged? And so I hear this commotion, and I'm like, oh no, what's going on? Well, I look in the back, and this poor little guy is at the trash can getting sick into the trash can. And I'm going, oh no. So like he, he's sitting back there, evaluating me and, and literally I make my students sick. I'm like, no, I don't want to do this. this is, right? Oh, this is not going to be good on evaluation time, right? But he's getting sick and, and luckily the print, he was not, I mean, he's a nice guy and he helped me, you know, get the kid out and go to the nurse and the kid ended up going home or whatever. But there's two thoughts. The first one is I felt, I felt bad for him, right? I don't know if anybody's ever gotten sick at school, um, but it can be humbling and maybe a little bit embarrassing. You know, as a teacher, it, it happens several times a year where, and even growing up in grade school, I remember kids that would let it go in the hallway or in the, in the, in the classroom or whatever. So it can be embarrassing. But then I thought about this. I thought, you know what? When, after he got sick, and I'll bet he feels better. I bet he feels better. And then I thought, okay, that, yeah, he feels better. But you know what? Confessing our sins, getting it out there, can be the exact same way. I don't want to get too detailed and too, too gross, but, if, but think about if you've, but if you, it, for those, we probably all in the room have been sick to our stomach at one point. We've probably all puked at one point. What happens right before that happens? You feel what? You feel horrible. You feel horrible. Then you get it out. And then what happens? You feel better. You feel better. Okay? It may be temporary, but you feel better. And that's the same thing that will happen when we confess our sins. We feel, we feel that burden and that stress. Then we get it out there, we feel better. Now, if you get sick, right, you feel better. And then sometimes if you're like me, I'm not a very good I hate the puker, but several times, like 
I end up in the hospital because I just keep going or whatever. So it's, I'm not good at this. But what will happen is I'll, you get it out. You feel better. And then slowly you start to ooh again. And then you get it out again, right? And then you feel better again. And then you slowly get it going. But then eventually you get it out enough. And what happens? You don't get sick anymore. You don't get sick anymore. And again, sin can be the same way. Because is it going to rear its ugly head? Yeah, it does. It does. When you get it out there, you feel better. And then, and it, it doesn't happen immediately, not like you're getting sick. It may be weeks or even months or maybe even years. And, and the sin can rear its ugly head again. And you have to get it out there and feel better. The point is when you keep getting it out there, eventually it will go away. With a little bit of work and just getting out there and confessing your sin to somebody and to God, it will go away. You'll, you'll get rid of it because you're still fighting it. You're still, you're still going with it, okay? You got to keep fighting. The reason it's hard, right? The reason it's hard, we, we, we get sick and then it comes back to us. I thought of like these movies or TV shows where they have like the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other and they whisper, right? You ever seen a movie or TV show where they do that? And a lot of times in the movies and the TV shows, they, they characterize them. They're kind of funny or whatever. But do you know how real that is in your life? That's real. And so that's why we have to keep getting it out there because this, this enemy is still gonna always just whisper into your ear. But the more you get it out, confess it. That means when you're confessing your sins, you're battling against it. So keep battling, keep getting it out there. So get it out there. What is the power of getting it out there? We talked about this is a series where we're going deep, okay? When we get our sins out there, it strengthens or deepens our relationship with Jesus. It deepens that. And if we don't get sin out of there, I would argue that, that we can't get very deep with Jesus. I'm going to give you another word picture. My dad worked construction um, when I was growing up. He still, I mean, he still does. He's kind of semi-retired, but I worked with him. Um, and there's a thing we, where we would go and we would we'd do a lot of things. We'd build decks or do things. Where sometimes we had to dig holes. And so I, would, I was always in charge of why well, I was in charge. My dad would say, you go dig these holes. But I would use what they call post hole diggers. Some of you might be familiar with them. If not, just pick, they're like these poles and you go down and you kind of boom and work them out and then pick the dirt out and put it on a pile away. Kind of think of like reverse scissors. But anyway, so you dig these, you know, the holes that are going to be about this big all the way down and you put posts in them for a deck or whatever. So that was my job is to, to dig these holes. It's kind of painstaking work, whatever. You come and... Well, every so often you'd get down there and boom, you'd hear something. You'd hear a clang or you'd hear boom, like a thud and you couldn't go any deeper because there was something in the way. It could be a root. A lot of times it was a root or a rock that was in your way. And you'd get to that point and before you could get any deeper, you had to get the rock out of there or you had to get the root out of there. So if it's a root, well, sometimes you have to get down there and on your hands and knees and get down in the hole and take a saw and cut the root out, get a little dirty and, and get that root out of there. Or if it was a rock, 
it didn't matter if the rock was this big or if the rock was that big. If it hit right on the edge, you couldn't go any deeper. And so again, I believe that our, our sin is the same way. If we want to get deeper with Jesus then we have to get those rocks, those sins, those roots, those sins, we have to get them out of the way. And again, it doesn't matter if our sin is this big or this big. If we want to get deeper, we have to get those out of the way. And how do we get them out of the way? It's by confessing our sins to not only God, but also to other people also to other people. And so what we're going to do now is we're going to pause. I'll get back to point two here in a minute, but I'm going to invite Krista up. She's going to play and Pastor Clint is going to come up and we are going to um, offer a ministry time now and then um, we will close in a bit. So unconfessed sin can separate us from God. I remember a time when I was sitting in a service like this and we were doing worship and I was feeling a little distant from God and then he reminded me of what I had done the night before. You know, I'd sinned the night before and I hadn't apologized for it. I hadn't confessed. I hadn't done anything. And I was like, oh man, I'm sorry, Lord. And I just repented right there and then. And immediately God's presence was on me immediately. And I'm like, no, 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 Lord, I, I haven't actually done anything to deserve your forgiveness yet. I just confessed it. And it's, he's like, that's all it takes. You know, our sin separates us from a holy God. And so there are times in our life, many times in my life, I don't know about you, where God will convict me. He'll say, hey, remember this? You never said you were sorry. You just kind of went on. And it's impacting our relationship. And so it's at those times I'm, I'm, I'm convicted and I'm going, like, oh, Lord, man, please forgive me. And here's the cool thing. Matt read the scripture, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It's immediate. It's immediate. And so here at Lighthouse, we like to put our faith into action. So we're going to have an opportunity now to take time and just repent of our sin. All right, just to let God convict us, let the Holy Spirit convict us, and to simply repent. And we'll have two opportunities to do that. One is to come up to the altar. Uh, we're going to call the front of the stage the altar. And that's an opportunity just to come before God, just you and God alone, and to kneel down and just confess to him and repent of whatever God may be convicting you of. Just get that over with. We don't want things to separate us from God. The second opportunity is to go into the back. I'm going to ask the prayer team to go ahead and go in the back now. Um, because there is power in confessing to other people as well. Scripture says to confess your sin one to another so that you may be healed. And so you may have a sin in your life that you've never told anyone about. 
it's just between you and God, but but it's a habitual sin. You just you can't seem to get free from it. Well, I would say to you, it may be because you haven't told anyone. So today is an opportunity for you to go in the back and just confess your sin to a person. Because there's healing in that. There's power in that. Satan lives in the dark. He wants to keep everything in the dark. And, and Jesus came to bring us life and to bring things into the light. And there's freedom in the light. There's freedom. Okay? So that's our two opportunities. We're going to sing a song about coming to the altar and just laying our burdens down. Um, and you can, you'll feel free just to sit there and sing or to pray. But if the Lord is encouraging you just to come up and, and make a physical act of coming up and just kneeling down before him, I would encourage you to do that. And if you feel like, oh, man, I really need to go talk to someone, I would encourage you to go in the back and do that as well. Okay, but we're just going to sit during this. Uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to open up the altar and also the prayer team. So, God, we come to you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We pray for your conviction, God, because there is freedom on the other side of confession. <laughs> and there are people here today who are anything but free. Lord, I pray that you would stir them, that you would move their feet. <laughs> Even if they don't want to get up, God, I pray that their feet would move and they would move to the front or the back, God. Lord, you want to bring freedom to people today. So, Lord, have your way in this place. Have your way in this place. Change our hearts and take the burdens off of our shoulders, God. Jesus' name we pray, amen. Okay, you guys are welcome to move down.
also probably some prayers some you guys were confessing right where you were and here's the good news we have this we have this tendency I think to have we're, we're doing a church message on sin and so we're going to leave here all depressed in our sin but that's not what the scripture tells us and so this is point two that you can write down it says by confessing our sin we restore our relationship we restore our relationship in verses five and then in 11, it says, then I acknowledged my sin. So that's getting it out there. I acknowledged my sin to you and you did not, or and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And then here it is, it says, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. In verse 11, it says, rejoice in the Lord and be glad you righteous. Sing all you who are upright in heart. So, it's, so when, when we do a, a, a message on sin, guys, when you get it out there, that is not a bad thing. That is a good thing. Jesus wants to heal you. And those of you that just sat here or sat in your seats and said a silent prayer, Jesus just did heal you. And that is, that is not something that you should leave here being depressed about or saddened about. You got it out here. There's scripture in 1 Corinthians that says, therefore anyone in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. When you leave here today, you are new. Your sins will stay here. You just confess them. That is, that is exciting news. So when you go home today and you spend the rest of today and the rest of this week, rejoice in the Lord because he has healed you. That's what scripture tells us about sin. 
that when we confess it with our mouths, that Jesus is great and will forgive it. And we can then rejoice and be happy. So why don't you stand? And to close, we're going to go back into the chorus, the bridge. I'm bad with with church words, or with, with not church words, with music words. We're going to go back into the bridge and we're going to sing and be, because it says, right, sing all you who have just confessed our sins. We are, we are, they are no longer with us. And we're going to rejoice in that. So let me pray and then we are going to move back into this. So God, we just thank you. Now, Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that you went to the cross for us. We're going to sing about you being a wonderful savior. And man, do we mean it because we didn't have to go to the cross. We didn't have to have our be whipped and beaten and have a crown of thorns. We didn't have to because you did. And that is so much a reason for us to rejoice in you. We thank you for that. That's it for today's message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to find out more about us at lighthouseofinner.church. Thank you for being part of our family, and we will see you next time.